<laughs> Big Fig here with that great new dance, the Newton. <laughs> Hit it, Hal. Chewy, gooey, rich and chewy inside. Golden, flaky, tender, cakey outside. Wrap the inside in the outside. Is it good? John Tootin' doing the big, big Newton. Here's the tricky part. The big, big Newton. One more time. The big, big Newton. Rich and chewy, rich and gooey, gooey, gooey on the inside. inside. Hey, you know, uh, John and I were just talking about uh, Fig, Fig Newtons. Well, probably because... I have a package here. Yes. Of Nabisco. Did they guys say Nabisco? No, they didn't brand Nabisco. it. Nabisco. Wait a minute. Just says those aren't Nabisco. It says. Oh, they are. Maybe just says Newtons. Maybe this is not. They have well. They have a whole new line of fig- Newtons. Newtons now. There's raspberry, strawberry. So his fig Newton and John remembered an old TV commercial. I guess that's late seventies. I guess so. Sixties, seventies. It's hard to tell anymore. Hmm. But they dressed a guy up in a big fig outfit to sing this song. You remember remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Watching it as a kid. It's one of those commercials that might scare scare a child. What the hell? Film Photography Podcast, that's us. June 15th, 2023. Welcome. Today's an action-packed show. Action-packed, people. I'm here with John, and in a few minutes we're going to bring in uh, Trev Lee. Owens. The Owens. Matt's. And what are we going to be talking about? I'll tell you what we're going to talk about. I got my notes here. Yeah, I see you. That looks, that's giving me flashbacks to college. Uh, well, very popular topic. What's hot, what's not? And then uh, Trev Lee is going to talk about metering, mm. which is fantastic. That'll be good. And I'm going to read for you folks me- metering. So using a light meter, not, you know, using a, a camera that has no internal light meter, whether it's still photography or motion picture camera. Here's a letter I wrote to uh, Steve. Steve is new to 16 millimeter. Owns a Keystone, one yeah. of those those cucumber cameras. Yeah, it's just a camera, a lens, and a button to push. And a button to push. <laughs> so lens has the f-stops, oh, and it? the camera at 16 frames a second. The shutter, follow this, folks. The shutter's one thirtieth of a second. That's it. Yeah, that's what it is. Steve is like, hey man, I'm new. I have this ca- uh, Keystone camera. I want to shoot it. I know nothing about film. I said, Steve. And well, Trev is going to talk about this later, metering. I said, Steve, you need to understand film ISO and its relationships to your camera's shutter speed and f-stop. Without the understanding, you'll be wasting your time and hard-earned cash shooting movie film. See? I, no, you're just right up front. Yeah. Which ain't cheap, no. And then I go into. So, folks listening, I'm guessing most of you folks know this information. But I don't maybe not. I mean... As time keeps going on, John, people, more and more people are saying, oh, what's this film stuff, hmm. who have zero background. So ISO is the number given to rate the sensitivity of the film. I think it's a given with digital cameras because everyone just like changes the ISO. It's like turning it's a like, button. Oh, I need it to be brighter. 35,000. Right. <laughs> ISO. So unlike ISO and digital cameras, ISO cannot be adjusted once you choose your role, your, your role of film. Mm-hmm. People at home, duh, no kidding, Mike. <laughs> the low ISO film, I'm going to be ranting about this for the next year. Low ISO films get no love. I saw a guy on YouTube call 100 ISO low ISO film. Oh my. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, it's no idea. Low, lower ISO films are less sensitive to light. Higher ISOs are more sensitive to light. 
lower ISO films are better for daylight movie making because the movie cameras use a low shutter speed. And then I went on and on. I, I sent them a link to our light meter video. I sent them a link to our ND filter uh, video. And then I said, Steve, I said this, still lost. Don't feel bad. People go to school for this stuff. <laughs> if you put your mind to it, you can do it. We'll see how That's it makes out. Good advice. Yeah. If you really want to figure it out, you can. Yeah. And once it's in there, it's not that hard to, you don't have to reference anything. It's in there for good. But what's hot, what's not, let's find out. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Hey, we're back. How you been, Mike? Hey, John, I just saw you a second ago. Where have you been? But, you know. Great, great. We're here with a great segment, John. We have some peoples here. Who's here, Mike? Owen. Oh, hey. Owen McCaffrey. He snuck in. He did. Mark O'Brien. Cleveland show there. Hey, Mark. Hi, y'all. Matt. Hey. Hey, it's actually Matt's topic. You know what it's called? Matt's topic. <laughs> it's pretty popular. You know what it's called? <laughs> what? What's hot and what's not? Oh, he's got his pulse on the nation. This is kind of like our annual report. Because we do it once a year. Yeah, we don't do it. We can't do it monthly anymore. Yeah, no, no, no. You know, it's been a long time coming. I couldn't wait until it finally, like, the price on them had crested. And I just started seeing them pack the shelves again. But... RBs, RZs. Prices still haven't figured it out, but they're they're occupying shelves really? a lot more. They're not flying off the way they were last few years. How much? The fridge. Uh, RBs are back down to back down to planet Earth. They're down in like the four, five, six hundred for a kit range. You know, so again, still, still, lot. still up, but yeah. not like oh. crazy. Because I saw some that were going over a thousand, which is that's too much. That they sold for that, or were asking that much? What they were asking, like, and yeah. you know. And for folks who don't know, what's an RB67? Oh, we're talking medium format, Mamiya, RB, RZ, 6x7, not quite square format, 10-shot cameras. Okay. And then RZs, you know, those, I think they had their their biggest moments already in, like, the the YouTube sphere. But it became kind of this self-fulfilling thing where a few people started talking about it, and then a lot more people started talking about it. And then it kind of hit this critical mass, and these cameras that were... You know, five, six, seven hundred dollars were approaching two grand for oh these, my these kits. God. Get and out! They're 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 sailor like you know they rise like a rocket, fall like a feather is what they say <laughs> mm-hmm. on a lot of the used camera market. And there's other markets that do that too, but those have finally started like kind of waning down. I'm seeing a lot more. Uh, it's sad to see, but I'm seeing a lot more of the Hasselblad 500 series kind of just chill out on shelves. And of course, I'm gauging this on. My local Columbus market and any other camera shops I go visit, I also check out um, local auctions. Those are really dangerous going to those because you, you start Leave your credit ideas. card at home. Yeah, you start getting <laughs> ideas, you know, and just buying, <laughs> buying random shit. Yeah. How, how uh, much is a, that's a C500? How much are 500C? those? 500C. Yeah. So this is the, the redhead stepchild 500C. You oh, know, okay. it's, the, it's the original with the non-changeable screen. So like you could probably get this kit now for... Eight nine hundred, but if it was really clean, just CLA'd and maybe nicer glass, you might still be paying eleven twelve hundred for it. That's, yeah. But that's a lot considering. Yeah, so that's why they're hanging out on shelves. So, Where would you send a Hasselblad to get CLA'd? It's only one guy. Um, he's in uh, da- uh, David Odes. He's he's the guy. So does KEH send all that? Because KEH has a lot of reef. They CLA'd. claim to have their own trained in-house staff they now. Claim. Well, I say claim. I don't know. Yeah, but it's they're huge now. They're yeah. you know they're a giant Amazon yeah. warehouse now. 
So, yeah, they have a, a bunch of different in-house repair people, but I'm not sure what all that entails because it's kind of a, a blanket at this point. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, medium format, that seems to... Not all of them, but a lot of the, the really heavy hitters that were at the top of the list for years and years yeah. and years are kind of like slowly drifting now, wh- down. Why do you think? I think price... I think people became priced out at, at that high point, but also there's there's a lot more new folks coming into it, and I think there's a, what we're seeing too is a bit of a generation shift. We're seeing, um, you know, millennials have kind of we've already picked up our our cameras, and uh, anybody older than millennials, they we've had access to cameras for quite a long time and have amassed our kits. A lot of uh, Gen Z coming into it, they're not they're not even interested in like. This 500C is like a bulky beast to many of the Gen Z that'll be picking what? up a camera. So they want to invest in something really, really light. They want to be able, they truly want to have like a pocket ready type camera. So that's why you're seeing point and shoots still kind of <laughs> rising and rising, but different point and shoots. It's not like the, of course, the Instagram classics are, are at the top of the heat, but the bigger cameras are not garnering as much mm. attention. Um, you know, there's always the niche of like large format and that sort of stuff, but that's that's never been like climbing, climbing. So, yeah. do you think there's a camera that's uh, really good that hasn't got the respect, or doesn't? Minolta SRT 101. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a bu- there's a whole category. Yeah, of 35s that that don't yeah. get any love. But one camera I'm I, that kind of goes into the hot, but like I don't think it's ever going to be hot enough that you're going to have to worry because there's so many of these cameras. But I'm also, in the medium format, you know what's up, Mike? Mm-mm. Folders. Get out. Folders. Older folders. I'm seeing a lot of folders oh. go up. And could you give us some examples? So like the 6x9 folders, like the old Kodaks, like those. And I think, really? I think the, I, now again, limited sample size. Mm-hmm. I'm only going off of a few different stores, but I'm seeing way less folders. And I think it's for the same reason that Digicams are big right now. So Digicams, the early 2000s, low megapixel, lo-fi look, those are hot. And I think folders are the same way because they're all cheap. They're all under yeah. 50 yeah. bucks. Which is how, that's how it starts. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you it's look a, really like video, cool with them. Video cameras. There's, a, there's a, uh, a woman on Facebook. She takes her eight millimeter video camcorder into like target and she gets like you know millions of you like these and they're starting to go for big money now yeah these are tape camcorders tape, tape cam video quarters. tape yes. camcorders. wow yes yeah no it's a it's a it's, it's a, a big trend thing. It's wow a, it's a look all right well we better get on that trend yeah, i was gonna yeah, say fpp has been hoarding you know been hoarding those uh, yeah. well you gotta start testing them john that's right. Got to make some money because he's um, not making any money on this. I'm sure that Amiya Sevens are still up there in value because they're what's it called? Fairly. Uh, yeah, Mammy Sevens are. Yeah, they're never gonna like dip below. I don't think they're ever gonna ever see them sub seven thousand dollars or sub two thousand dollars again. Yeah, but they're yeah, they're a little wild for what they are. But like these folders, they're they're pretty cool. So you know, any of the six by six, six by nine. The only thing I notice about the folders, though, if somebody has one, like, in their family from, like, either uh, aunt or uncle, grandma, grandpa, or great-grandma, great-grandpa, those typically have issues. And know that many of these cameras are cheap because yeah. they are super untested. Right. And if they've been stored in changing environments, they could have, like... Mold. like yeah, or anything. Like, there was one at in front of 
Imagine that, that Leslie had. It oh, was yeah. like the pillows were petrified. <laughs> yeah. and they were yeah. like locked yeah. into place. Yeah. Well, a six by six folder, like some, like a Zeiss, some of the Zeiss ones, mm-hmm. man, those are great cameras. And, you know, they fit, they can fit in your coat pocket and you're doing six by six medium format images with them. Hmm. They have great lenses. So what else is hot? Uh, folders were the main thing I wanted to point Folder. out. Folder. But, yeah, but... But any point and shoot, like point and shoots that yeah, hot, anything like literally, even the the ones that we would have had on very very early FPP that are like Olympus, like really crazy super zoom range. They Olympus they Stylus one fifteen. Uh, yes, something that was like a ten twenty dollar camera. Yes, one hundred fifty to two hundred dollars now. One wow. of those crazy Olympuses that almost look like camcorders. Oh, the, oh the, yeah. but they, they telegraph like Not that. hot. Yeah. Oh, wait. The IS series. Ugly, yes. yes. Not hot. Not hot. No, those never ones are hot. Too, those ones are too big. <laughs> never hot. They were never they're hot. Super weird looking cameras. It's, you know, it's they kind of... good pictures. They're okay. Yeah. Actually, I, I know my daughter used one way back in the early 2000s. The, um, I think the funny thing about those is that it's like Olympus never had any good autofocus 35 millimeter cameras. I mean, it... They, well, the the stylus epic. No, I'm, I mean SLRs. SLRs. Oh, SLRs. And yeah. so these are these IS are what we call bridge cameras yes. because they are SLRs and they take okay photographs, but they are really a beast to take around and, and shoot with. Yeah, it's super clunky. Yeah, very clunky. And then we have the ones from um, the Samurai from Yashica. Hot. Oh yeah, hot. Hey. Uh, I don't hot. know if they're hot or not. Hot, hot. Yeah. Which one? They're half like, frame. They, they, oh, yeah. yeah. Samurai right. half. That's I can right. look it up right now. Seven hundred dollars. I don't know about that. What about the Mercury Two? Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> the parking meter camera. And who makes the Samurai? Yashika. You're looking up. Oh, here we go. Samurai, sold. Ninety-five dollars. Get the hell out of Eighty dollars. One hundred five ninety-nine. One hundred nine ninety-nine. Uh, we may have one or two at the FPP. They're bizarre. Huh? And then Ryko had one that was looked like a camcorder as well. Yep. And they're crappy. What, what era is that camera? Was 1990, early 19, early 1990s, oh. late 1980s. Didn't Canon have oh. a camera similar to that? No. Half frame? No, it wasn't half frame, but it was kind of like a camcorder type. Oh, they may have. Oh, the Fotura. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. I wonder if that's hot or not. How much is that going for? F-O-R-T-U-R-A? Canon? P-H-O-T-U-R-A. Is it P-H? Yeah. I, think. I have the commercial for it. Here it is. It's a hot new 35-millimeter camera from Canon. It's just a camera. Simple suspense. The Canon Fotura. Camera. With futuristic flash, automatic one-hand control, and long-range power zoom lens, Fotura. You have to come with us. It's just a camera. Please. The new Fotura from Canon. So advanced, it's simple. Untested, 1795. Works. New battery film, 2450. Tested. Bag. Manual included, 60 bucks. This is the Canon Fotura. P-H-O-T-U-R-A, folks. Oh, yeah. It's disgusting. It's It's really goofy looking. There it is. Yeah. The the cap is part of it. It, like, pops out. Yeah. But once again, it looks like it should be in the movie Tron. Takes good pictures. Hey, that was a good movie. I'm so what do you have? What's well, not? Like the movie Tron, I know. I have one more that's hot. I have one more hot. Okay. And it's I'm just calling it now, calling the shot. It's John Fideli. 
it's going to be <laughs> John's hot. It's going to be a very unique rangefinder, the Kiev 4M. Oh, it's only oh. because it's the camera that is seen multiple times oh, in the trailer for the latest Wes uh, Anderson. Yes, it is. Film. What's the la- what is the film called? The la- latest Wes Anderson, uh, Space Quest, uh, Asteroid City, <laughs> Asteroid City. What is it? Asteroid City, shot on film, shot on Aeroflex and Kodak Motion Pictures. This film. is Wes Anderson, his latest flick. And there is no, or there is Bill Murray in it. No Bill Murray. No Bill Murray. But there's a lot of heavy. But you're saying this is the one Tom Hanks plays the Bill Murray role, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Jeff Goldblum. But yeah. Oh, okay. Lots, Jeff Goldblum in it. Oh, he's in it. Of, oh, he's lots of this context camera. I'll watch anything with Jeff Goldblum. I think in the movie it's oh, called something else. Yeah, it's called the Muller uh, Muller Schmid Swiss Mountain Camera, but it's it's a Kiev 4M. Do you know who's going to be thrilled to see that camera in that movie? Uh uh-uh. uh Your buddy uh, Sam Sherman. Hey, Mike. Sam Sherman. Okay. He loves any any kind of Russian camera. So that those are going to start getting interest, and then people are going to use it, and then the interest will drop down. <laughs> how much are they? I wonder how much are they going for right now. It's already too late, guys. Oh, really? God damn it! Well, no. If, if someone's listening to it now, like it's too late. Well, what's the price range? Kia 4Ms. Yeah. Those should be under a hundred bucks. Yeah, they but they're not, they might not be now. 4M. I mean, is it a very distinctive Wes Anderson-looking camera? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it's very utilitarian looking. Because I'm sure a lot of yeah. hours went into That's... choosing that camera. So before it gets all Wes Andersoned out, uh, yeah, the the ones that are regional, not from Ukraine, are over a hundred bucks already, and they could be way more by the time this airs. Have you ever shot with one of those? I've seen them come into Midwest uh, because everyone looks at it and assumes it's a like contacts. a or a contact. Oh, yeah. yeah, and. It's not. <laughs> but as far as like functioning, they it's function cool, really well. I mean, it looks gorgeous, but it does look like a Soviet-made camera, which, you know. I think I would like that more than the A Contax 2A, the late 50s, the 50s model, is a wonderful camera to shoot with. It, it's got that big, the rangefinder base is bigger than, a, wider than the Leica, so it's more accurate. But they're really great lenses. And they were basically what the Nikon S rangefinders modeled after. I was gonna say the lenses have the same vibe as the yeah. S on there. Yeah. Yeah. Some Polaroids very hot. Really? All the SX70 Alpha hot. Still hot. Yeah. Those yes. are still hot. The wow. uh, yeah, for- SLR 680 hot. Never been hotter. Wow. Yep. But the Polaroid One Step six, you know, the 600 standard black. Not yeah. Not hot. Twenty bucks. Nobody wants them. Pack oh, film. Not even for that. Pack cameras. In Door stops. With original <laughs> manual and so stuff. Sad. Ugh, so Pack sad. Pack cameras. Plain nothing. Pack Door cameras. stops. 126 yeah. cameras. Hot. Not hot. Not hot. Well, Never not hot. hot. <laughs> Never hot. <laughs> Never hot. How dare you? They, those are good. Those are good cameras. Yeah. Well, there's no film for it, so. Camera. There well, I will tell you what we sell a lot of, and that is the our FPP camera hack. Camera hack. For 126? 126 to 35 millimeter adapter. They go out every day. Are they still, ma- are the guys in Italy still making those? Uh, camera hack, it- camera Italy. Hack? Those. Yeah. Camera hack, Italy. Camera hack. Camera hack. Camera hack. Camera hack. Yep. We also carry the um, one, uh, 120 to 116 adapter. 110 still popular? 110 still popular. Yeah. Because really? I feel like that, that sells out all the time, 110 film. Always selling And the price has been going are up. Are they popular? Ah, uh, like, no. I. Like so, when I think of a 110 camera, I just immediately think of Michael Landon and the pocket instamatic, the uh, 608 yeah. pocket instamatic. See this little baby? No other pocket camera does what it does. It's unique. 
because only the new Kodak Ectralite cameras have built-in Sensolite flash. Sensolite flash turns itself on and flashes automatically when you need more light. It even turns itself off. You'll never worry about flash again. These new cameras with Sensolite flash are the easiest to use Kodak pocket cameras ever. I trust my stories to cameras and film from Kodak, America's storyteller. Uh, seventeen ninety nine sold, four ninety nine sold, ten dollars sold. I don't know what's going on here. Forty dollars sold, ninety nine cents early. sold. Tell you what, I got a big collection of flip flashes. One ten, yeah, so do I. Uh, but these, you know, film is readily available, and I think there are just enough people who just love one ten. One ten is great. You know, Lomography still produces yeah. one ten. Yeah. They even produce one ten in their specialty films like. Um, Metropolis 110. Yeah. Purple 110. They've got slide. Yeah. Color slide. Red scale 110. I mean, it's amazing. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. They're fun. And hats off to the wonderful people at Lomography for keeping 110 film yeah. alive. Yeah. yeah. They don't have to. No. No. The only, stop, my only criticism with the with the 110, the E6, is that they don't make slide mounts for them anymore. Ah. Uh, well, it's not their fault. No, but. You can't find them on eBay? Very difficult. I know. I've never been able to find. Uh, not <coughs> Can you read? Imagine that. Does imagine that have any? <laughs> oh no. No. I don't think. I I do not know that they ever sold them on the consumer market. Oh. Yeah. I think yes, they did. One ten. One ready like ready mounts. Uh, yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. Oh. And I used to have. I picked it up somewhere at one point. I had one of those one. I had one of those one ten projectors. Pocket carousels. Yeah. yeah pocket oh, they're, carousels. They're, yeah. You just carry them. Pocket yeah. carousel. Yeah. 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 It's a lot of asbestos here in Cleveland. That's what's hot. That's what's not. Thank you for tuning in for this segment and, of course, podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. We're also on Instagram or, you know, the Flickr. What? What's that? We'll be right back. You know, it's such fun to give somebody something they've never had before. It's what I got from my wife. Something so new, it wasn't even around last Christmas. It's the Kodak Pocket Instamatic Camera. There it is. No, it isn't. Where did I put it? Gotta see this camera. It's about, oh, that big. To load it, you just slip in a film cartridge. She's gonna love it if I can find it. The great thing about it is it's so small, it's right in your, in your pocket. <laughs> Even smaller than I remembered it being. Now I can show you how great it is. You can carry it with you wherever you go. It's easy to load. Maybe a small camera, but it takes big, sharp, clear pictures. Look at these. Aren't those great? The Kodak Pocket Instamatic camera starts at less than $28. The complete outfit's a little more. Just tell them to remember which pocket they put it in. The Kodak Pocket Instamatic camera. Hey, while we're on a little break here, uh, you know what I have in front oh. of me? Only, I only ate one packet of them. What, Fig Newtons? This is uh, Girl oh. Scout cookies. Every year, girls, folks, every year Girl Scout cookies, they have a special, what's known as a digital cookie. It's not like digital clothes where you actually just buy nothing. It's not an NFT. Right. A digital cookie, you could only buy it on the website. And what I didn't think of, I think I didn't want to burden our listeners, but now that I think about it, next year, right? When mm-hmm. Justin, Justin, who, you know, his runs the FPP store, his daughter is a Girl Scout. It'd be great if I shared the URL with our listeners, right? Yeah. So that you at home... Can like go and buy Girl Scout cookies and like you you get the cookies yeah. and then Justin, his child gets all the credit. Yeah, you'd be helping a Girl Scout and getting a cookie. 
And the cookies usually sell out pretty quick. These or, these digital ones. And people have been selling them for what? Five times? Yeah. What they paid for them? Uh, can you look right now? What is it? It's on, called on Girl Scouts on the eBay. Girl Scouts Raspberry Rally. Let's Raspberry Rally. What did you pay for it? Five bucks. Eighteen ninety nine. These are sold items? No. What's sold items? Three hundred dollars. No, stop. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> 20 bucks, 22 bucks. Okay. That's four now, times. My, $30. Look, I'm not going to complain about free market because it is what it is, but it's sort of like when people sell FPP color infrared film for $200 when they bought it for $60. Nah. Now, that's one thing. That's free market. But <gasps> I... F- what? Stop that. What? March 10th. Yes. Two boxes. Two boxes sold for $320. Of Raspberry Rally? Yeah, but they're in a different package. 19 boxes sold for $300. I feel it's the responsibility of those eBay sellers. If they want to do that, that's terrific. But then take that money and donate it to the Girl Scouts. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you're taking a Girl Scout item and then you're reselling it for profit. That's wrong. (sighs) That's what everybody does these days. Everybody knows the old rules of photography. I hope that's the right film for direct sunlight. But new Kodak Gold Max breaks them all. Using the same film in here? Why not? New Kodak Gold Max makes just about any light the right light. And now, the cha-cha. And that shot will never come out. Of course it will. And all in the same roll of film. So ignore the rules. Too dark! Just remember, if this film isn't in your camera, imagine the pictures you'd miss. New Kodak Gold Max. Hey, folks listening. Uh, for this segment, we have special guest Trev Lee. And hey. Uh, hey, how's it going? It's going great. And in the room, we have the, the rooms packed. Yeah. Got John. Heavy of course. hitters. Got Mark really O'Brien. Got Owen. Hey. Hi. Mar- uh, Matt. Hey. Trev, this is an awesome topic because whether you're new to film photography or you've been shooting a while, especially if you're shooting a while and you've been using uh, automatic cameras. Uh, metering is uh, a deep topic, but a little bit before we started recording, Trev like told me what the topic was, and I thought it was awesome. This first time we're covering this, take it away, Trev. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to talk about metering in general. Working with uh, the Darkroom Lab, you know, we answer a lot of uh, like emails with questions about like why do my photos look this way. Uh, what happened here and a lot of the times majority of the time it's a metering issue and it's kind of a hard thing to tell people because a lot of times it'll be like did something get messed up in scanning was it development like it's always your fault first yeah Yeah. (laughs) where's my refund and a lot of times i mean majority of the time it is a metering issue and it's not like they you know they just they didn't make a huge mistake other than just fully trusting their meter it depends on what type of camera so a lot of times when they send me the the like their question i will look at their scans and then first thing i ask is like what camera were you using because Mm -hmm. i can't respond to them i can't tell them anything productive without knowing what type of camera they have how it meters what it is and stuff like that you gotta be a detective you gotta ask the questions and get the information and what type of film because some film is way more unforgiving uh with underexposure and over, but usually it's under is the issue. We rarely see mm. overexposed mm. film, like rarely, other than slide film. So yeah, one of the biggest issues is with black and white. And say you're photographing 
something that's bright, reflective, or anything like and people a lot of people don't and it took me a long time to really grasp this idea that your meter is metering for middle gray or neutral gray and it's going to turn you know if you photograph a white barn on a sunny day it's going to make that white barn gray which underexposes everything if it's color you have the tone the tones and the color that kind of separate and it helps with underexposure because it's not as flat and muddy, uh, but it's just something that we see often. So I figured it would be a great topic. What, to when talk you t- about. when you say camera exposes for middle gray, can you explain that? Because I don't think most people know that. And I mean, even when I'm walking out the door, even if I'm using a handheld meter, I just I forget about it because on the handheld meter you have your globe mm-hmm. when taking an instant reading, so that's equaling neutral gray. But this goes back to uh, you know, college days, John, Yeah. the neutral gray. Can you explain mm. what that means exactly? Well, I mean, I'm in a room with, I mean, I feel like Matt probably even understands <laughs> exposure way better than me because he spot meters so much and you do pretty much everything. I, I would say we'd be good to talk about it because we have two different approaches to it. Um, sure. Like I shoot with a lot of cameras that have in-camera meters, which is where we see the issues. People mm. that have meters have more issues with metering than people who don't have a camera with a meter in it. Mm. And it's because you could have the most advanced camera. You have a Nikon F6, a Canon 1V that have spot metering, matrix metering, equivalent center-weighted, all the different options, but if you don't know how to use them... Yeah, it's useless. It's useless. And like you said, metering for neutral gray or middle gray or whatever... Um, in general, like your in-camera meter is trying to give you a middle gray. It's meter set rating. for middle gray. Yeah, set for yeah. middle so gray. So when that customer who shot, who who's shooting, let's say, a completely white wall with a person standing in front of it, mm-hmm. the camera sees the white wall as neutral gray. Therefore, uh, the the exposure is not correct because of that. Yeah, and and you know it's we even see this with portraits, and a lot of times if we know someone who is avid, like a avid portrait photographer, we often recommend an incident meter because your in camera meter is reflective, so it's just reading what light can reflect off of. So Matt, you can't see him right now. Matt is wearing a <laughs> black, black jacket. jacket. <laughs> um, so if my meter, if I took a reflective meter off of his black jacket. And I used that; it would most likely overexpose. It was going to be blown. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because he like we're slightly fair skinned, so it would like my wife is really fair skinned. So when I meter for her, I know that I need to open up a stop or two, or I will underexpose her. So I was always taught meter for the face. Mm-hmm. So if you're taking meter, especially with a reflective meter and a camera, you're going to meter his face, totally get close, re, yeah, uh, reframe your shot, and then shoot. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a much more consistent way to go, especially with extreme contrast. Mm-hmm. So, like really dark darks, really reflective, or really bright brights. So, mm-hmm. but what Trev was bringing up makes a lot of sense when you think about it. That the more advanced and like integrated your camera is, it can be really easy to just kind of lean on that meter because it's giving you great you stuff. You put complete faith in it, exactly. Mm-hmm. But if you start with a manual camera. You know what you're getting into. You probably yeah. look up a table on Sunny 16. You're probably mm-hmm. like, okay. You're thinking a little bit more about it because it's on you to do that versus the versus the camera. So um, you also mentioned something like a, a more really advanced camera, like those Nikon's with the matrix metering mm-hmm. and, and the Canons. 
spot metering in those is great for like less than 5% of situations. Oh yeah, I know. Most yeah. of the time, like if, if you see that little one dot in the center, you're in trouble, especially mm -hmm. if you start oh, looking really? at really reflective things or really, really dark things. It's good for reference, but it's that spot meter can really, really get you, you in trouble. You have to really know what you're doing if you're shooting with a spot meter. Yeah. Because like we run into issues with people who are taking photos in a snowy scene. Oh. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's a bunch of reflective yeah. white. So it's gonna. Um, you got to be really, really tight where you you put that that meter, and it also depends on what you're working with. So a camera that has a spot meter, it's probably like a five degree, you know. So it's like a, a very sharp angle mm -hmm. towards where you're coming in. And it depends on what your lens is. If you have like a big zoom lens, or you have a wide angle lens, like don't don't spot meter so, with a so wide angle. Spot meter. What's the best thing to do? Do you take a reading at several different? Well, areas? there's no. Hope there's a gray card. <laughs> well, yeah, you would use a gray card. You buy a gray card, by you, the way. Yeah, you yeah. buy a gray card, or you honestly like, I wouldn't recommend only like one. There's I don't think there's any camera that only has a spot meter no. that I know of. No, they mostly have the. Yeah, they, if there's a spot meter, they have the option for other stuff, okay, and yeah. it usually it's only per, like it's usually professional cameras. Ugh. Say that again. Sorry. <laughs> that was Mike. Um, Stop drinking. If, if, if the camera has a spot meter, it's professional. Yeah. Like, like I have a, a Canon Rebel T2. I have a Elan 7. Both of those do not have a spot meter, but the EOS 3 did. And it's because I know that the odds are is the people that were getting those back then weren't going to use them. Let's use Rebel 2000 as an example. Yeah. Like, it's, a, it's, it's you know, it's... I don't. What kind of? Do you know what kind of meter that has? That just, just has the regular evaluative. It's, it's a center weighted yeah. evaluative. Mm. Yeah. Every topic's going to lead to the same conclusion for the rest of the year. Of FPP. Use your phone. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that's that's a good point. No, I mean use your phone. Oh, actually, I take pictures with your phone. <laughs> well, also, the smartphone light meter apps are decent. Good. Good night, yeah. folks. Yeah. And but that's also a problem. I feel like is oh, the meter in a phone. So the meter in a phone, I, the other thing to consider is why people have issues with metering is a lot of times they're coming from digital, which yes. does it for them, or they're with a phone. And, you know, the phone, you'll see, like, if you have an iPhone, it has, like, it, like, auto-corrects and merges. Mm -hmm. Like, it will bring down an overexposure, bring out an underexposure. It's like an HDR thing. So there's, like, all this weird forgiveness. There's processing that's going it's on. processing. Yeah. It's not great quality, but unless there's amazing light. But the smartphone apps are good. We oftentimes, if people have an issue with their meter, we'll just say, double check your meter off of something that's middle gray. And a lot of times, like you were talking about off your hand, if you're metering like a street scene, a lot of times I recommend just metering off the street. Because it's sidewalk. sidewalk, yeah. Or like like I meter off my this bag right here because it's gray. Um, so like knowing like certain things that you could meter off of the help um, is really helpful with that. But. And it's funny because there are some people out there who really don't give this much weight to metering either. They're like, oh, your speed is 200, sunny 16, just put it on 250 and 16, and don't worry about it. But I think for the you know? for the, the general shooter... I can't be like that, though. Or, or, you know, just generally speaking, I think the person shooting in front of the white wall or people shooting in snow, I just think awareness, because let's face it, every, a lot of folks are just taking snapshots with their Canon Rebel mm -hmm. 2000. Just being aware of the situation, I think, will steer them away from making that 
mistake again. I agree. I don't think you have to be ultra technical with it. Mm. I just, and Matt said this, the first idea that we ever did, the when in doubt, blow it out. And yeah. I, it's oh. like gave words to a thing that I've explained longer form, like with sentences. It's like, if you were unsure and you have negative film, Let's give it some more, give mm-hmm. it more light, like meter for the shadow. The only time you really got to like watch it, watch it. Like, like Trev mentioned is E6. Because now when you're talking about transparency films or slide films, you got to be on. Like it's so, yeah, really very, very limiting in terms of range. You can't handle a lot of highs, a lot of lows. It's basically like the digital cameras where you have to have your exposure really, really, really close to, to bang on. And then you have to make sure your metering really makes sense for what you're doing. So if you have a pro camera that has that, probably want to leave it in if it's nikon leave it in the matrix metering if you have canon leave it in that evaluative metering and those the icons thank goodness they're the same they don't agree on anything else but the icons they do it's like four corners and an eyeball Mm. if you see that you're good if you see just this just a a dot in the center or you see a circle in the center you're you're only looking at the center Mm. it's only caring about that for what it's like figuring out exposure wise so on those cameras you can also set separate focus for autofocus yeah, different focus points typically, as well as, as different exposures. Yeah, and I believe, and I'm sure somebody, some, somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the evaluative meter that mm-hmm. system was invented by Minolta. Oh, it was the was first it? to from the to mind, of, mind Minolta. of Minolta? Only from the mind of Minolta. I'm, pr- I'm pr- almost yeah, certain. Right. I think if, so- if somebody's <clears> wrong, <throat> please. Now, now, Trev, what's the cheat? For example, when I say the cheat, I mean, so the person standing in front of the white wall with their loved one in front of the white wall, they could tilt their camera down to the sidewalk, take the meter reading, then have to press the shutters button and then bring the camera back up. Like, how do you keep your... I, you, if you're in that situation, I would just get close. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, some of those cameras, especially like... It depends on the camera. Yeah. Some can be confused by it. Yeah. I, if 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 I were so if I was using this Canonet right here, which you can lock metering with, yeah. Um, I would just meter at the feet and just go up there, or I would open up a stop and a half or something like that. Because if that's if I have negative film, like which I'm typically shooting mm-hmm. with, I just always err on overexposure. That would be what I would just do. On some of those Canons and Nikon's, especially from the '90s and the late '90s. On the back, there's going to be two buttons that you can access with your right thumb when you're holding it. One will say AF on, that's your back button focus. And right next to it, there's going to be a little asterisk. That asterisk button is actually your AEL or auto exposure lock. So if you are metering, you press that in, and the, next, the next three half presses. <laughs> I, swear to God, I never knew what that was. Yeah. It's like, it's like my job to teach people these cameras or something. Thanks, uh, man. <laughs> and for yeah. movie camera shooters, there's a lot of movie cameras that have an AE lock button as well. Okay. If you have an automatic movie camera. In oh. fact, a lot of the earlier Kodak movie cameras with selenium cell meters have AE. I was going to say the other thing, too, to keep in mind is it's the, we've explained this in, like to some of our customers. Your lens choice helps with metering as well. Mm-hmm. If we typically see people run into more issues with wider angle because the only thing against the matrix meter or the equivalent or whatever or evaluative yeah. is they with the wide angle lens, if it sees this bright sky, dark landscape, it'll try to Everything's even it out. Account now. Yeah. And then you could underexpose something that you might want that 
it has the latitude to possibly retain if mm-hmm. it's like a certain like say it's hp5 which has incredible latitude uh so like a 35 a 50 the more telephoto you zoom in the less area that you are metering yeah the less so it's usually a little less bit different yeah. scenarios yeah. Yeah. scenarios yeah so it's always better to overexpose a little bit because you can save it easier and on, on those negatives or oh, yeah. just the negatives yeah. themselves are going to retain so if you look yeah. and you're like oh it's a little blown out you can fix it in photoshop or whatever yeah. well like for example in here we were, we we're all just shooting around i was playing around with the Hasselblad. i have some portrait 800 in here mm-hmm. i have my little my little reveni incident meter here Cute. and oh it's adorable <laughs> it's like a little decoder ring but my exposure on here is f32 at a 60th i'm just shooting at 28 the third yeah. stop it's like it's mm-hmm. great no yeah i yeah. could go like That's two stops be so critical no. especially yeah. with medium form oh, you could too. you're saying you could go two stops oh, two stops yeah. easy this really? is portrait 800 there's a whole oh. look that's based on just overexposing this two stops you could shoot the new wes anderson at, film yeah is that right <laughs> no it's not portrait but, but it looks like it yeah. yeah you could shoot that at 800 or at 200 iso that's equivalent great. and get developed normally and most likely be fine as long as the light isn't mm. like super contrast super, yeah. yeah so that's what you were saying earlier what what film did you shoot so with a portrait film or portrait uh 800 there's so many other variables that you're talking about when you're metering as well because the film has great latitude. Yeah, more light. If they're saying they're shooting with Ektar, Ektar so is like a little a P30 more... P30 or something. Yeah. Like, oh, oh P30 is yeah. unfor- pretty yeah. unforgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Ektar is so unforgiving. There's some that are like HB5 mm. is very forgiving with overexposure, but if you underexpose it, it is very muddy. Yeah. So it's like that's where... In, and that's the same with like Delta 3200. I love mm. that film, but if you underexpose it yeah, it's not, at it's all, it's, yeah, ugh. so that's where it's like getting to know. And that's also a lot of times we'll just say shoot this like five rolls all through the same camera, get mm. to know that film, get to know that meter because yeah. some cameras function a little differently as well. Yeah. If you can afford it, yes. Yeah. If you're shooting the same camera and you're shooting the same film stock, get used to that. Yeah. And that will help your photography as well, including with the metering. Whereas if you keep jumping into different stocks and not, you know, not shooting at box speed, and mm-hmm. shoot, but that's that's yeah, a whole other topic. Other yeah. So metering wise, of course, you can find uh, Trevely at thedarkroom.com. On Instagram, it's at the Darkroom Lab. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have any questions about anything, of course, uh, podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. And. <laughs> curly over there we could uh we could talk again about it but i think we covered it for now metering yeah and uh, yeah if you ever have any questions we have a great blog that matt was part of oh man that was forever ago. It was a long yeah. time ago you did spot metering yeah we had the there's other, a blog after on on the dark dark room, room. Yeah, yeah we we go over incident meters spot meters smartphone darkroom.com folks in camera when i was teaching in my class i, I was searching a topic and it came up to darkroom.com so yeah it's really really great information there or you can call trev at 555 (laughs) (laughs) 555-5555 right okay introducing the amazing minolta maxim the world's easiest slr because it alone has built-in automatic focusing look maxim's autofocus lets you get perfect shots before others can even focus change lenses maxim again gets the shots that used to get away only the human eye focuses faster minolta maxim only from the mind of minolta hey we're back uh so folks uh i didn't mention but i should mention so 
filmphotographystore.com. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this broadcast go there. Uh, a, a, a miraculous thing happened uh, a few weeks ago, and that is I went in on my desk. I had all papers in front of me. I went through all the Kodak pricing. Mm. And Mike Rasso, the boss, uh, the money man. And I repriced all Kodak products. What? Lower. Really? Yes. What are you, nuts? Lower. Are you sure you're okay? I'm fine. Okay. What happened was last year there was such a shortage of color film mm-hmm. that retailers started jacking up the prices. Yep. So across the board, all prices for especially Kodak Portra, Kodak Ektachrome, you see Ektachrome being sold for like twenty two dollars, twenty four dollars. Jesus, that's just so I, I did a search across all the different uh on you know, big online retailers. Checked it against our cost, and I said, "This is not right." <laughs> it's not. It so have to go broke shooting film. Yeah, so uh, shouldn't be a luxury to shoot film. Yeah, so I modified all the prices, and I would appreciate you. I would appreciate it if you folks could like spread the word. You know, don't be shy about, you know, shouting shouting loudly in the hills about film photography shout projects. Shout it! Shout it! Shout it out loud. You got to buy some Kodak. Because, you know, when we go, especially when we go to California, it's like people don't even know who the, what the FPP is. Really? So they'll go, they're just buying, you know, I see threads online. It's like, you know, I'm not buying Ektachrome 35 millimeter because, you know, it's, I'm not paying $25. These people aren't, aren't, aren't even doing a search. Hmm. What is yours compared to $25? I think. Like B&H, well, like I guess, would sell it for 25 Ektachrome is a good example because it's a great film. In Midwestern Photo and places like that, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, let's see. Like, where like where does the average Joe buy film, you think? B&H? Amazon? You think people are like... Uh, I think that young people buy on Amazon because they have like a family account and they're like, you know, like pulsed money by parent. Plus it comes quick. It comes uh, next day. That's a big bonus. Ektachrome. B&H Photo 2199. Mm-hmm. These are all the ads. Let's see. I'm just scrolling here. Uh, here we go. FPP, not a sponsored link. We're not sponsored, by the way. Eighteen ninety nine. Look at that. Nineteen twenty twenty. It's saving three dollars. Yeah, that's that's huge. It's significant, especially you know because you usually don't buy one roll. Limit twenty rolls per person, household per month. That's reasonable. Absolutely. Because then. That's that's a lot. People buy, will buy a hundred rolls, then just flip it on Amazon. Yeah, that's not right. Oh, it's not right when it happens to you, but it's okay if a concert ticket I'm, sells. I'm for saying thousands. to you, John, yeah. and to the people listening, it's not right. But it's free market. I Doesn't know. mean I have to sell it to them. That's true. If you know they're doing you dirty. <laughs> uh, so check out the FPP online store. There's a lot of fun stuff happening. Fun, uh, fun, a lot of fun stuff happening. Uh, let me see. Let's go right to the homepage. Oh, there was a short. When also we have short date sales, so we have inventory and the date comes up. Yeah, we'll highly highly discount it. And I'm happy to say, John, because we're like dragging our asses here. The Lamography Liza Digitaliza Digitaliza smartphone scanner. Which yeah. So folks, this is a scanner where you scan your negatives with your your phone. Right. Digitaliza. Digitaliza. Ninety nine, ninety nine. Wow. So what do you? What is it? Just, we tested it. Yeah. Lomography sent us test sampler of it. Yeah. 
we tested it. We sh- we used it. Yeah. And then that was that, and we sent it back. And now it's available as a product, so we, the FPP stores carries it. And John and I have been meaning. Remember, like a few weeks ago, I'm like, bring your negatives in. We gotta, I like, got to. I got them. They're here in the bottom of the well box. Look, Lomography has Lomography. This is available at the FPP online store. This is a beautiful video on the product page. But you got to get an, an a scanning app. Yep, and it's been it's been selling great. Oh, I don't see why not. And what is a scanning app? The Abe app, as I call it. Oh, it's Abe Fatigue, I think his name is. <clears throat> so John and I were on the West Coast a while ago. Maybe it wasn't even the West Film Coast. Film Lab. Well, Do we meet them at the West Coast? I don't think so. We met I, him. I maybe mean, in Ohio. I mean, maybe you guys met them. I don't, I don't uh, recall No, you him. met him. I, did I meet him? I don't think you did. I don't think so. I, I remember you told me about it, and we downloaded the beta, and we were helping him test the beta. It's film version. lab. So you get the Digitalizer smartphone scanner. You get the app. Kodak has an app as well. There are a few different apps to use. You find the app that suits you best, and you scan your film, and then you're all set. So what do you get in the package? You get the, the light source? Yes. You get the stand? For a smartphone, Yes. And do you get something to hold? Thirty-five film? millimeter, thirty-five and one twenty. When one twenty, okay, beautiful for ninety-nine. Ninety-nine, and I'm telling you, a light source is so important, and that's a good even lighting source because I bought like some LED. Back. Not, not so good. It was junk. No, because the light it it, it made it so that you couldn't scan it. Um, I'm just going through the you know on the FPP online store the front slides FPP Sun Color ISO one going to be really talking about this this year i'm putting it together a little cheat sheet john it's going to be a really big show yeah right here what do you, you mean? buy sun color right iso one beautiful alternate color not yeah. strange nice warm they look look at this oh it's nice i saw this one yeah that's good right yeah you got the little handy dandy guide right on top of the can what's it say it says 130th of a second f4 right 160th of a second 2.8 125th, F2. Yeah. So, you know, people, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. If because you, it's intimidating. Because you're just like, oh, what is this one? What do I do with one? One, 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 one is what? the loneliest number. One. What am I going to do? What am I going to do with this uh, one? Then currently there is, just going really quick, folks. Currently there's a hole in the market for Kodak chemistry. Really? HC-110, oh, D-76. Right. So the company that was doing the handling it went out of business. So For Kodak. See no promise. Kaput. Oh, boy. So there's talking and rumblings of a reboot, which is great. But in the meantime, you need your HC-110, so we have FPP-110. You want it? We got it. And we've had it. We had it in the smaller bottles for convenience. So now we have it in the Jumbalta bottles, one liter. That's a big, right? And same thing, John. I don't want. I don't want to say angry because I'm not angry. I'm just agitated. Yeah. yeah. Prices like you had Kodak HC110 going for like forty five dollars. Forty five dollars. It's not right. No. Twenty nine ninety nine FPP one ten. One liter. It'll last you forever. Quality. What else? Quality. Vision. Th- I don't have to talk about Vision three thirty five millimeter films, folks. You buy it like like hot like hotcakes. Yeah, sells itself. Sells itself. 
that's the 500T, the 250D, the yeah. 200T, the 50D, mm-hmm. and then movie film. 50D. 50D, the least popular and the best film. That's- Shocking. I was just talking with Dave about that before. Oh, because he's because uh, I, I was finishing off a roll, and he's like, kind of glaring at me. He's like, Super Eight, right? Yeah. And he's yeah. like, that better be fifty D. I'm like, no, I'm just finishing off two hundred T. Two hundred T is fine. And he just went off on how great the fifty D is and and uh, Bright Sun. It's a wonderful film. It's beautiful. I've shot it out on the beach and just got some real... I actually was looking at some film last week that I shot when my kids were younger on the beach and them swimming. Yes. Looks beautiful. 50D? It's so evocative of like... 60s and 70s. It makes you think that I'm like, wow, I shot this in like 2018, that 17, but it really does give you that feeling of long ago. It does. 50D, sun, gorgeous. Yeah. 500T... Bright Sun, mm. not so good. What hey, it's grainy? Uh, it gets grainy because we have to pull it down. So, uh-huh. if you put 500T in a Super 8 camera, most Super 8 cameras are auto, O T T O. Auto. I mean, auto. <laughs> you pop it in. The camera is is registering as 160 ISO because that's the highest. So it's overexposed. So it's completely overexposing it, and the film latitude is so beautiful that it could be corrected but but the compensation is that good. you get a lot of green it's going to be a, it's going to be a long haul folks for myself john matt and the rest of the fpp gang to pull people out of the out of the need for speed mm. it's an addiction yeah everyone grabs the 500t because they just think it's the best because because you speed. think it's going to be versatile it's not i mean it will be but you're going to pay the price for it you and and loss of image and quality yeah but people are going to do what they're going to do. And all we can do is like just, you know, just keep, tell it like it is. Just keep talking about it. Yeah. So the 50D outside, beautiful. If you're going on vacation, if you're going to buy some rolls, buy a roll of 500. But also buy a roll of 50. And if you're scared, shoot them side by side outside and you'll see. That's nothing true. To be, nothing to be scared about. Don't be scared. Uh, I've been pushing the 200. 200T. Is the way to go. John just recently shot his uh, niece, right? Niece's wedding. Niece's wedding. He's like, oh, what should I do? <laughs> it, was, it was outdoor under a tree in full sunlight, though. Was but it, it was were they shaded. in shade? It was shaded. I'm like, you need 200T. But there were areas where they were walking in full sun as well. Fine. It'd be fine. So, But the 50D wouldn't have been so good in the shade under the tree. Mm. It'd be okay. Did yeah. you, but you shot at night as well. I... I no, I didn't. It was too dark for the 200. Okay. If I Did had 500, it would have been fine. I shot a few, yeah. But I think the, you're the black be, flag was up. I think you're going to be surprised. Telling me no go. red flag. No, there's a black flag. Black flag. A black flag. What's a black flag The song? red flag, I think. I don't know. It's a, it's a black flag in the no, corner. No, what's the song that black flag sings? How's oh, I don't know. I'm not that cool. Who's in black flag? I think uh, Henry Rollins. Uh, Rollins. Uh, podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Pummel, pummel, pummel. You want to like let us know what you thought of this episode. And um, keep shooting film. Exactly. Have fun with it. Exactly. 